Welcome back to another episode of EdTech Well Done. This is Jake Russell, the host, recording another episode here at TCEA in Austin. This one was with Reagan with Whitesboro ISD, a computer science teacher who really has some interesting insight into video in the classroom, live stream, incorporating that as part of the curriculum. So it's going to be a fantastic episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Reagan, appreciate your uh, insight today. Hi, Jake, and thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Reagan, tell us, how did you get into technology? How did you get into education? I began my education career basically because I was looking for something to do. I'd been in computer uh, software development for years, and uh, one too many layoffs sent me looking for another job. At that point, I had the degree already. I went back and uh, took the necessary education classes, and became a teacher. I did my student teaching at Whitesboro, and I've been there ever since. Okay, fantastic. So um, that's kind of, it's always interesting to hear how people end up there, because I think everybody ends up with a very unique perspective, and this perspective that you have in regards to video and its involvement in the classroom is also unique. Why Why video? What does it bring to your students? Why, why is this something that you value as a teacher that you think they need to really learn about? Video is valuable to me in the classroom, particularly because I can keep things. I can share things with my students. I can find things that work and reuse them. Uh, I can teach the other 150 hours a week when students aren't in my classroom. I can provide curriculum for them uh, when they're at home, when they're on a bus going to a band concert. Uh, I can use video to give students opportunities that they wouldn't have in the classroom because they can go back over it and go back over it and go back over it. Topics that I can't continually go back over that maybe they don't understand, they can rewind a video in innumerable times and so eventually they can get it. Uh, this morning, to give you an example, my morning was spent checking my email before I came to the conference. Uh, I had two students who said, Mr. White, we've gone through the video lessons that you left us and we don't understand this. Uh, could you go back and explain that a little more in detail? So I sent them emails to uh, go back over the video information that I provided. Wow. So really it sounds like you're multiplying your own hours and turning you know, one hour of content into 40 hours of um, student taking in that content. They're actually getting to take in just the 45 minutes in the classroom, but they're able to stretch it out as long as they need to make sure that they understand it and that they have a full comprehension. That's exactly it, Jake. I have a, a semi-flipped classroom. I know okay. flipped classrooms are, are uh, vogue now. Right. Uh, mine, I still do a good bit of teaching in the classroom, a good bit of content to cover, but I also have pretty much every class certainly every class that has new material, I provide video links back to that. I record that information during the class, and then that allows the students to go back and, like I said, review and review. And, and of course, we know that repetition is the key to content retention, so sure. the more they can hear it, the better they're going to be. Okay, fantastic. So um, a teacher out there is going, hey, I love this. I would like to incorporate more video, but, you know, what do I need? I don't know what equipment. Maybe I don't really have a video background. All I have is my iPhone. What is what is the base level, and then what is maybe the next level of you know uh, better equipment or higher quality equipment out there? If you have an iPhone, you've got the base level right there. An iPhone shoots great video. The color is great. It's high definition. Uh, most of your students will have an iPhone. Essentially, you have 20 or 25 little cameramen running around in your room. A uh, recent example. My engineering class, I teach also concepts of engineering, 
we just finished a unit on rocket propulsion. We launched uh, model rockets, and part of the assignment was for each of the of the teams to video their rocket launches, and then to edit the video, make it more of a make it more of a production, and then to describe through each phase of the video what the rocket was doing and what was going on. So that Amazing. was part of the that was part of what I had them turn in. Okay, so not only did you do the engineering concept, but then you were able to using video to really slow that process down and talk through the individual steps of the rockets firing, the propulsion kicking in, all the different aspects of it, you're, you're adjusting time almost in, in how students look at it and how it can be explained. Exactly. And each one of them had the necessary equipment. We didn't have to spend any money. We didn't have to buy any software. We didn't have to do really any training. They were already skilled at what they needed. They were already prepared. And... Uh, they were actually really happy to do it because then they got to post it on Facebook or, or Instagram it or wherever they send it to right. uh, for parents and friends to uh, to get a look at, which which really which really makes the parents happy too because they're getting feedback from the students. They see what's going on in the classroom and it makes them a little more comfortable about about their uh, children's education. Sure. So if a teacher maybe doesn't have full knowledge of how to do video editing, that may not be a stumbling block because so many students already know how to use iMovie or you know a garage band for audio editing, things like that. Trust me, your kids will know how to make videos. And okay. that's, that's where uh, a lot of the times they teach me. Mm. Uh, I'm fairly comfortable now with uh, things like Adobe Premiere Pro. We have a, a license for Creative Cloud, uh -huh. and so I'm very comfortable with that. Uh, I was not originally, but my students, whenever I hit something I couldn't work around, I generally had one or two students that had already done it before. Okay. And so they're teaching me. Amazing. Now, what age students are you working with? I have uh, nine, through, uh, 9 through 12. I have uh, freshmen through seniors in high school. Okay, interesting. Do you see a, a difference in perspective as the students are first coming in, maybe as freshmen versus the seniors? Uh, what or is pretty much once they hit high school, they all kind of view it the same in terms of familiarity with the technology, familiarity with how the process would work of creating the videos. I think they're more comfortable as they get older, not necessarily a maturity thing, but because they're more familiar with it. Particularly in my class, when they come in at first, maybe they never had a class where someone asked them to, to video something, but by the time they've been in a couple of my classes, they're very familiar with video, they're very familiar with being in front of the camera, and they're comfortable. Okay, all right, that's awesome. So I think going off of comfortable there, there's a lot of people who might be getting a little squirmy right now with this idea of video, how do I keep my students safe? You hear about you know terrible videos being posted or everybody's got these phones. What safeguards do you put in place? What do you do in terms of a um, the likenesses being put online? What, what safeguards are there that you have found to be best practices? The best practice you can have is to film hands and not faces. That is the very, very first rule that I follow. Okay, great rule there. What happens is going to happen around the hands rather than the face anyway for the most part. If they're building something, if they're doing something, uh, I spent a lot of time in the last few weeks filming students building rockets. They're building the rockets with their hands, and so I film their hands. I don't film their faces. That's my first rule. My second rule is that parents absolutely have to be notified. 
Uh, it's a common practice when you're filming or taking any kind of photograph to uh, have someone that you're photographing sign a release. Of course, these are minors, so they're not able to sign it. But I absolutely have the parents aware before the class ever starts that there's a chance that their students could be photographed. It's very important that you let the parents know because some parents have extraneous circumstances. Uh, it might not be the wisest idea to have those students photographed. They may have other issues. And so those parents, I'm very careful to reassure them that their student will never, ever, ever be photographed. Also, your district, or at least our district, has certain guidelines about what you can photograph, what situations you can photograph, uh, and how much supervision is occurring when the photography occurs. It's very important that the teacher be present anytime cameras are out, because otherwise that that's that's when things happen that are unfortunate. When when there's not adult supervision there, then gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I love the line: "Film the hands, not the face." film what they're doing, not them necessarily. Uh, I do think it's worth noting, because we have listeners from all over the globe here, all, all 50 states, that um, there are federal guidelines and there's state guidelines and there's district guidelines. So we're speaking today from a Texas perspective with your particular district and the federal laws. So if you're in a different state, keep in mind there may be additional state oversight on that. But the uh, main thing is communicate with parents and then film the project, not the students. Exactly. Okay, all right. So uh, you mentioned briefly the students were filming uh, like rockets and things like that. What are some of these projects the students are filming? How do you incorporate this in terms of what the students are creating? I have these projects, particularly in the engineering class. I'm going to stay with that. We build rockets during the course of our rocket propulsion unit. We build trebuchets when we talk about simple machines. We build... Uh, uh, different electronics, uh, a goodly portion of the class is electronics engineering, as we were talking about Arduinos earlier yeah. offline. Uh, those things I generally have the students film. Uh, I try to encourage every student, well in fact I do more than encourage, I require it, <laughs> but I, I require the students to build an online portfolio. Okay. Uh, this is important not only from the student's standpoint, they enjoy uh, they enjoy doing these things, and they also enjoy having their friends look at them. They enjoy having their parents look at them. The parents enjoy it, and it's possible, in fact, more than possible, I've had uh, a couple of students use some of the materials later in life in uh, job interviews or things like that. I know a lot of employers nowadays require a portfolio if you're going to sure. have that kind of work. And so if I can get them used to building a portfolio, if I can use, get them used to recording information, or uh, things that they've done, putting it online, and then sharing that with the right people, maybe someday they can take that information further and maybe someday they can find a job using the skills that they learned in my class. And that would be my highest and greatest goal right there. That's fantastic. We had an interview the other day with a gentleman who does a personal branding class in high school and talks a lot about building out portfolios, using video in that way, and, and capturing your moments for scholarships or jobs. But I think it's also interesting that students are not only enjoying the assignment, they are enjoying the creation of the assignment, but now we actually have them enjoying the sharing of the assignment because everybody knows student comes home, parent, guardian says, what would you learn today? Nothing. Or, I don't know. Or, yeah, something like that. But now, well, let me show you. We, we took a video of it. 
what is that what does that excitement level look like what is the engagement level now that you have students recording stuff and, and really capturing their own viewpoint on the world the students at least the feedback that I'm receiving they really enjoy it uh, the parents also really enjoy it I'm getting really good feedback from the parents they're saying, you know, my, my son is interested. He's talking about things that he's done at home mm -hmm. after outside of school hours. Okay. Uh, also, cutting back to our video, uh, I get that same I get that same feedback from the parents and students when they're watching my videos. I'm saying, you know, my my son is watching these videos now outside of class. Uh, he's interested in doing them. He's interested in keeping up his work because he's able to do it at some other time or because it ties into an interesting project that he did on uh, a video game they built or, or on, a, uh, on an Arduino project that we've done in the past. And so it's, it's just generating engagement for the students, I think. Uh, they get excited. Also, because so much information comes to them via video, right. that they're comfortable with that sort of information. They absorb it well. Sure. They're already in the YouTube environment. They already learn a lot of things through that. So this is just another medium that they enjoy currently. Might as well use it. Exactly. Okay. So um, if a certain school district has a no cell phone policy or something like that, the students may not have access to the cell phones on hand. Is there a particular model type or a particular um, aspect of a camera that someone could purchase off a shelf that you would look for? Is there a lens size or any, any aspect from maybe a technical perspective of what would you look for for a beginner camera if iPhone isn't an option or a student's cell phone isn't an option? For entry level, I would almost be tempted to say maybe an iPad or a tablet. Oh, okay. Most of them have video cameras. Most of them have uh, acceptable quality uh, video production. Also, you can acquire apps on the device that will let you edit the video. Uh, if you want to invest in a camera, uh, I can tell you what I use. I use a Canon XF-105. Okay. I use it because I film other things besides just our classroom. I film uh, school events. Uh, if you're interested in live streaming, it's a wonderful camera to live stream. What it does specifically that makes it so good is that there is an HDMI output in spite of or in, in, in addition to the recording capability, you're recording to, a, to an SD card, there's also an HDMI output that allows you to take the video signal and send it to an external recorder, uh, send it to a mixer. You can do a lot of things with it. And the kids, and this is another opportunity for teaching, uh, now I have students learning how to run a mixer. Now I have students learning how to, uh, to direct a, a, a multi-camera video shoot. I have students learning how to, uh, well we shot, a, uh, we shot a movie for a UIL competition here in the last week, and I have students learning how to produce video, how to, uh, how to do audio video production recording, how to, uh, I even have kids that are learning how to uh, deal with uh, the legal aspects of, of what I can what I can have, what's copywritten, what's not copywritten, what, what I have to do. What music can I use? Exactly. Amazing. I have students learn, and this is all outside of the specific curriculum, but it's all valuable information. Yeah. It's all very useful. It's all very pertinent to real world. Sometimes maybe what I do in the classroom curriculum is not pertinent to real world, but the things that I do teaching these kids these outside lessons are definitely pertinent to real world because right now a huge, there's huge uh, issues going on with, with copyright information, for example, yeah. with copyright information, with uh, 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 what can I put up on YouTube, things like that. Uh, and uh, if I can generate an interest in some kind of a media creation job or some kind of video production job, if I can generate that interest and the kid goes on 
he moves on and he goes to college or he goes to a technical school and he becomes that. Uh, well, I'm justified. I'm happy. <laughs> I've done that. what I set out to I do. I love that. Okay, so if iPhones aren't an option, take a look at what else in the school has a camera. Exactly. iPads, tablets, things like that may be an option as well. And then there are some cameras like the one you mentioned that if you need to go buy one off the shelf. But most schools, one of the departments somewhere has a couple cameras, whether it's maybe athletics or somebody's got some cameras to use. Um, so we have our hands on some cameras. We like the idea from maybe a pedagogy perspective or from an actual lesson plan creation perspective. How do I start incorporating this into my lesson plans I already have? I already have the next couple months planned out. What do I do? Experiment. That's the key. Do whatever you can do. Do what feels comfortable and then don't be afraid to fail. I okay. have, for every successful lesson, failed a hundred times. The only really failure you have is not to try again. That's what I'm finding. For me, to just give you a, a kind of a, a background, what I started doing was on days that I might be absent. Uh, the night before, I would uh, have an absent scheduled. Maybe I would uh, just use a screen capture software and screen capture a uh, programming lesson or screen capture something off the internet that I was going to do and then uh, do a voiceover narration for that. Also borrow, <coughs> borrow from other people. <laughs> YouTube is filled with videos of people doing the same things that you're probably doing in your classroom and they don't mind generally if you borrow that information, that footage and show it to your kids and say alright guys this is what we're going to do today. Show them the video and then maybe provide a voiceover or essentially do anything that you can do to get your content onto video. What you'll find is as you get more comfortable speaking into a microphone, as you get more comfortable standing in front of a camera, ideas will come to you. Amazing. Okay, I think the couple takeaways here that I'm getting at least is not only is this something that students can create and we're now getting them interested, you're using it as a tool to multiply your own efforts. You're going to be out for a couple days or you're sick but you've got to give the sub something and the students some interaction. You're now recording a video 30 minutes the night before and you've got face-to-face -face time with students even when you're not there. Useful uh, applications that we have and most schools have these available now. We use a learning management system called Canvas. We use an LMS called Canvas, which allows me to link to videos. It allows me to provide interactive content. It gives me a vehicle. And we also use the Office 365 uh, suite for education, which also most school has. What most people don't realize about the Office suite is that if you look, when you log into office365.com, of course you see Word and Excel and the other things online, but you also see a little tab up there called Video. I believe it's called Stream Now. Uh, it was called Video recently, and they may be in a transition period. It's a video server. It allows you to post videos from your school that anybody within your school district can watch. Wow. Now, the good thing about that is versus, say, putting on YouTube or Vimeo is because you have no control over what else is going to appear on a YouTube page. That's right. Uh, more than once I've had to very quickly turn off my screen because something came up that was not appropriate for school. On a Microsoft uh, stream server or video server, whatever you want to call it, uh, you control what's there. You're the only one putting content up. Mm. And so you have no concerns over what might or might not be in the in the in the sidebar. Right. The video is there. So you don't have to worry about ads. Uh, you don't have to worry about anything being inappropriate, and that's that's 
that's the goal. You want to you want to teach the kids, but you want to protect the kids. You have an sure. obligation to the kids and to the parents. So you can record the hands, not the faces, upload to your own private network. Right. Um, and now we're really controlling both aspects of it, controlling what we're capturing plus controlling what the students are seeing. Exactly. So we've got a, a full perimeter built around that. Okay, exactly. that's fantastic. Well, Reagan, thank you so much. We're going to wrap up here with our lightning round. Um, <laughs> is is there a resource you love to go to, a website, a podcast, video series, maybe a book you've read recently that you're just like, man, that is so motivating or encouraging or um, informative for what you do? I just finished a class. Well, I say I finished it. I've got my final exam in the class. Uh, on Adobe Education Exchange. If you go to edx.adobe.com, they have tons of free resources. They have classes, they have workshops, they have tutorials, uh, how to produce video, how to use their tools, how to use other people's tools. I use that continuously. Uh, I've just finished, like I said, just finished a class on uh, proper pedagogy and video creation for education. I will probably start another class as soon as I finish this one. I'm getting into, uh, getting into hopefully getting in podcasting here pretty soon, vlogging. So uh, yeah. that's my uh, that's my next step. I'd like to get my kids also interested in that. So I'd like to find the right way to do it. And I know that they have a class on uh, the edX for that. So Adobe Education Exchange would be my favorite tool, I guess. Okay, fantastic. Is there a piece of technology you can't live without? Something that you absolutely love? Maybe a camera, maybe an Apple Watch, or your cell phone, your MacBook. What what would it really hurt if I took it from you? Ooh, I'd have to say Canvas. Okay. The uh, the learning management system Canvas is great. I can produce any kind of content, uh, video, audio, text, PDF, Word documents, spreadsheets, database connections, anything. I can present that to my students 24/7. Love that. That is my. Uh, that's my go-to right there. Okay. All right. And then uh, we always end with this simple question because I have a passion for food, particularly <laughs> local spots, that little hole-in-the-wall place. I come out and I visit Whitesboro. I visit this recording department, all the amazing things that you're doing. Where am I going to go eat? When in Whitesboro, you want to <laughs> attend, <laughs> definitely want to check out La Hacienda. La Hacienda. Uh, okay. Right on Highway 82. Uh, can't miss it. It's the... Uh, it's the premier, I, I could say it's the premier Mexican food restaurant in Westboro because it's the only Mexican food restaurant really in Okay, Westboro. all right, amazing. So there it is, La Hacienda. Thanks so much for joining us on another podcast of the EdTech. Well done. Reagan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much, and see you next time.